This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Great to see you this morning. I hope you came hungry for the Word of God. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. We've been studying together the book of Mark, learning together, growing together in God's Word, learning how to be servants as Christ served, and, uh, and how we put that into effect in our own lives, and watching the life of Christ, this great, great servant that came to give his life for us. Now, this story this morning is, is an exciting story in the Word of God, and I know you're going to enjoy it. I, I welcome all those who are watching by way of video venue or on television. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, Mark chapter 4, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We sang that song, Healer. We're going to sing that again at the end. I am believing that God is going to do miracles around these altars. How many believe that this morning? You'll be praying all service long in your spirit that God is going to just move in a mighty way. And we're going to talk about the storm. And one line in that song said, He calms the raging sea. We're going to look at that raging sea this morning from God's Word. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the storm, asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and peace be still. The wind ceased. There was great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, today we thank you for your mighty power. Your power to calm the seas, your power to speak to the storm that rages in our lives. Thank you, God, that when you come, you're Jehovah Shalom, you bring your peace. I pray that in this service this morning, you'll bring the special peace of Almighty God. Your work through your word we pray, in your mighty name we ask it. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look great, and then you may be seated. I think when you look at the power of God in the physical realm, we've got to ask ourselves, how does this translate to the spiritual realm? Anything God does in the physical world, in the physical realm, how does this impact us? What does this have to do with the spiritual realm? And it's, and it's a wonderful thing when Jesus Christ stands up on the boat and says, peace be still, and the waves get calm and quiet, but I want to tell you, it's also a wonderful thing uh, when he calms that storm inside of your heart, in your spirit, when you're going through your own personal storms in life. Now, one of the pictures that you see in the Word of God of our life, and it's used by many different authors all throughout time, is, is that life is often pictured as a voyage. And so it's, it's like if you could use the analogy, we're all on a ship and we're all passing through this sea of life uh, and we're moving on that ship and, and we travel across the sea. 
The Apostle Paul kind of picked up that thought and analogy when he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In verse number 6, he, he, Jesus, Paul was getting ready to be beheaded. He was coming down to the very end of his own life. Uh, and he writes in 2 Timothy 4, The time for my departure is at hand. The word for departure is a, is a very descriptive Greek word. It literally means to pull up the anchor and move your boat, move your ship out of the harbor. And Paul says, my departure, my anchor is being pulled, the ropes are being untied, uh, and I am getting ready to move from this life uh, into the next life. And so he uses that whole sea analogy. Storms will come up very unexpectedly. Not only in the Sea of Galilee, but in our own lives. And the question for us this morning is, how do we handle the storms? Uh, How do we make it? Uh, How do we survive? And maybe some of you right here today, you're going through your own trials. You're going through your own storms, your own test of life, and and your ship's being tossed to and fro through those waves of adversity. How are you going to make it through to the other side? Let's look together at God's Word and find out how we survive the storms when they come our way. And by the way, the storms will come to every single one of us. You may not be in the midst of one now, but they will come at some time or another in your life. First of all, you've got to understand the promises of Jesus Christ. When the storms come, cling to the promise. Look, if you would, at verse number 35 again. And on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now think about that with me for a moment, if you will. What did Jesus Christ say? Let us cross over to the other side. In other words, we're going somewhere and we are going to arrive at our destination. Uh, He promised that they would get to the other side. Verse number 36. And now when they left the multitude took him along in the boat as he was with him. And the other boats were also with him. Now, in Mark's gospel, you see several different boats crossing the Sea of Galilee. And they're all kind of leaving at the same time. And you've got Jesus Christ. The multitude's been thronging him. He's trying to get away from the crowd. He, he's been teaching on a boat. And he says, let's launch and let's just take off and go to the other side. I need some rest. And so they move out. But as soon as that boat moves out, all these other little boats come. And they're still going to follow Jesus Christ wherever he goes. But there's, there's something special and unique about the one boat. And that's because it had a very special passenger. Jesus Christ was on that boat. Jesus Christ was on that boat. And if you are going to survive the storms that come your way and the trials and the tests that come your way, you first got to make sure you've got that very special passenger on board that boat. Jesus Christ has got to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If you're going to make it through, if you're ever going to get to the other side, you've got to ask yourself the question, is Jesus Christ on my boat? Is he the Lord of my life? And you see, if he's not the captain of your life, if he's not the Lord of your life, then your boat has no direction. You're, you're, you're going aimlessly on the sea. It is a, it is a total effort in futility. 
And when the storms come, you're going to be out on that water. You're not going to have a chart. You're not going to have a compass. Uh, there'll be no way where to send the distress signal to. Uh, you will be tossed on that sea. Uh, you will have no real sense of purpose, uh, no destination. Uh, you'll be adrift and lost on the sea of life. Uh, and so the most important thing we need to begin with, church, listen to me, uh, is you've got to make sure Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. You may be here today and haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life. Listen, you can do that before this service ends today. You can say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. For without him, you're lost. And when the storms come, they'll just tear that boat apart. And you have no hope of safety or making it to the other side. But you see, something happens when Jesus Christ comes into your life. Not only is he your savior, but he is also your security. Not only is Jesus your savior, but he is also your security. And Jesus Christ makes the statement, let us cross over to the other side. That statement by Jesus Christ alone was the guarantee that the ship was going to make it. If Jesus said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We're going to get to the other side. If he said it, believe it, receive it by faith, because Christ is also our security. Listen to me, you can have all the money you could ever imagine. You can have all kinds of possessions that you could ever want. You can have a good job. You can have your retirement secure and and taken care of. Uh, You can have houses and cars and stuff, but nothing will give you security. But Jesus Christ, nothing else will ever give you security. All those things are temporal. All those things that people base their life around and build their life around and for is all temporal. It is all going to pass away. Uh, But the only real security is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 1 and 12. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day as long as jesus christ is on your boat you're going to make it you're going to get through you're going to get to the other side there's a story in the old testament about another man who rode a boat his name was noah noah was on a huge boat it was a floating zoo and he's on that boat and he's saving noah and his family and and species of the animals and and that big ark is on that flood zone that had been raging and rising and and the winds beating against that ark and it's going back and forth and 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 you see noah must have fell down many times on that boat i can see him trying to walk around and navigate on that boat as it's rocking back and forth that huge ship uh, and he must have fell many many times but he always got back up and i would tell you that when that boat landed safely on the ground uh, Noah was still on the ark. He may have fell back and forth. He may have stumbled many times on the ark, but he never fell out of the boat. And so it is in our lives. There'll be times we're going to stumble and fall. and We're going to mess up and we're going to blow it. And we're going to fall short of God's best for us. And and we're going to do many bad things, think many bad thoughts throughout our life. We're going to fail many, many times in our life. But as long as we'll stay on the boat with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to make it. He is our security. He'll get us through to the other side. Our security is in the Lord Jesus Christ in his promises. 
the New Testament times when a, when a boat was coming into harbor, if they came in at low tide, many, many of the harbors had sandbars out in front of the harbor. And what they would do is if it was low tide when they came in, they would not be able to get on into the harbor. And so what they would do is they would just get right up on that sandbar. They would take an anchor and throw it on the other side of the sandbar on into the harbor. And so throughout the day, as the, as the tide began to rise again, uh, even though the winds and waves and even though the, the current may beat against that boat, uh, as long as the anchor was inside the harbor, they would make it safely. And when the water rose high enough, that boat would follow that anchor right on into the harbor. And it would arise safely to its port and destination. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Listen to this incredible verse of Scripture. Hebrews 6 and verse 19. The hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It's that anchor you throw on the other side of the sandbar. Both sure and steadfast. And which enters the presence behind the veil. Where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus, having become a high priest forever to the order of Melchizedek. Now the word says Christ is our forerunner. He is the anchor of our soul. He is the anchor of our hope. And when that anchor is thrown on the other side of the sandbar, when that water rises up, that ship has got to follow that, that rope, that, that anchor line right on into the harbor, right behind the anchor. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ because he has gone on before us because he is our forerunner. I want to tell you, the boat of our life has got to follow that anchor right on into harbor and we are going to make it on the other side. And oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see because he's gone on before me. He's made it all in. It tells me I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get there. That let us go to the other side. I will tell you, he will get every one of you who are in Christ Jesus safely to the other side. What a great, great hope and anchor we have. I want you to see the promise of God, but contrast that, if you would, with the panic of the disciples. Look at verse number 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. How many know that storms that come in your life often come very unexpectedly and quickly? Very suddenly. Now, I can imagine they would have never left port to go to the other side if they had realized that it was about to storm, if they'd realized that the storm would rise when they were middle in the Sea of Galilee. I, I showed some pictures when I started this series of the Sea of Galilee. And it's located between some hills. Remember the hills. And what, what happens is the wind would sweep down through those hills like a funnel. And it would intensify the wind that would come through there. And so the cold air would come in and mix with the hot air over the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and it would cause violent storms. And the storms on the Sea of Galilee could come very quickly, very suddenly. And they would often be very violent. It could become one moment uh, and the next moment a furious storm with thunder and lightning and wind and rain. And, and it would threaten those little bitty boats that were out on the Sea of Galilee. Isn't that the way life is? Isn't that the way it is? Things are going calm. 
Everything's going great. You're just sailing along through life, and there's no real problems, no real hassles. And then you get a phone call, and it says, come to the emergency room. Uh, Your son's been in an accident. Your daughter's been in an accident. Get here as quickly as you can. You're sitting in your office studying one day, and everything's going great, and, and things are going well, and you get a phone call, and it says, your wife is dead. Storms can come up so quickly. So suddenly, you go to the doctor, you go, you've been for your checkup, he's done all the tests, done the x-rays, and says, I've got some bad news for you, you got cancer in your body. Looks like it's metastasized and you don't have long to live. Everything's going great, you've been feeling fine. You hear the report, cancer. You go into work, you thought you were doing fine, and you look in your mailbox and you got a pink slip. You say, you know what, I'm sorry, we got to make some cutbacks, we got to let some people go. It's, uh, it's, I'm sorry, we have no more work for you here. And when you hear those kind of things, those storms, uh, everything can be going great, fine, wonderful, and all of a sudden, the overwhelming storm comes very suddenly, very quickly. I want to tell you, we need Jesus Christ on the ship in order to make it through these storms. Now, now as I was thinking about this message, I, I just had to ask myself, and you may be asking today, why does a good God allow storms to come? Why do we, why do we have these storms that, that come our way? I, I've just jotted three things down very quickly, and this is not all-encompassing, but I want to give you these three, I believe, very major reasons why storms occur in our life. First of all, do you realize storms can come to your life because of disobedience? Disobedience. Uh, Remember the man by the name of Jonah? God says to Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Go and tell them about me. Got a mission for you to do. What does Jonah say? I'm going, all right. I'm going on vacation. Vacation time. I'm going to go to the beaches of Tarshish. And so there was conveniently in port when he's God speaking to him about taking the boat to Nineveh. He jumps on the wrong boat and heads for Tarshish. And the Bible says that when he got on that boat, he was leaving the presence of the Lord. Now, it's a very dangerous thing when you willfully disobey against God because when you willfully live in disobedience, you remove that protective covering uh, over your life. Uh, and, and, and so it says he leaves the presence of God because he willingly disobeyed. And then it says in Jonah 1.4, listen to this. But the Lord sent out a great wind. Where did the wind come from? The Lord. God sent it. Why did he send it? Because of disobedience. The Lord set out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. Uh, so sometimes the storms we face in life are because of our own doing, our own disobedience, uh, our going in the other direction. And, and, and sometimes those storms of sin can be very deceiving uh, because you're sitting in port uh, and, and, and the, the, the that the sin seems so tantalizing and the winds seem to be blowing so lightly and breezing along and you're just flowing through life. Uh, But the further you get into that sin, the more you get into that cyclone uh, of addiction that destroys families and homes and lives. 
And so many times those storms of disobedience come because of our own sinfulness. And they ensnare the boat. They threaten our families and they threaten our children. They threaten our lives. Second storm that I believe the Lord can allow is the storms of discipline. Storms of discipline and probably just a little bit shade of difference than, than disobedience. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. It's very clear here. You, you get the idea that discipline comes to all of his children because he says if he loves his children, he's going to discipline his children. And so it may not be the result of a direct disobedience, but just the discipline of God drawing us closer to him. Listen to Hebrews 12 and 5. You have not forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, sometimes when the sea's going calm and the boat's just really riding on top of the water and you're doing great and the wind's blowing in your face and you're cruising along, uh, you, if you're not careful, we can start depending on our own self-confidence. You know what, I'm just doing so well, and it's my talents, and it's my abilities, and God's got me here, and I'm grateful, and now I'm moving on, and I really don't need God anymore because I have everything situated all around me. I've got my house, my income, I've got family, I've got friends, I've got all those things, and if we're not careful, we get self-confident to the point where we say, I really don't need God. Now, we may not verbalize that, we may not say that, but we live our life as if we can make it without God's help. And so we quit praying, and we quit reading our Bible, and we quit depending on the Lord, and we quit trusting in His mercy and grace every day, and we neglect prayer, and we neglect the Word of God, and then God stirs up a little storm to get us back on our knees. Because He loves you. He doesn't want to see you do that gradual drift away from Him. And so He allows those winds to increase and the storms to increase. And all of a sudden, what do we do? We run back to God and say, God, I'm sorry I forgot about you. Sorry I've left your side. Sorry I failed to realize your presence. He sends that wind, that storm, to drive us back to God. And that's what God means in His Word when we said, Every child he loves, he disciplines, he chastens to draw us back to him. I believe the third kind of storm can be a direct satanic attack. Direct satanic attack. You say, where do you get that from? Well, you get it right out of the text. Look at verse number 39. It says, and he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. The word rebuke there is the same word that was used when it says Jesus rebuked the demonic spirits that spoke out. What's he doing here? He, he's rebuking the wind. And then he makes this statement. He says, peace be stilled. It can literally be translated in the Greek language, be muzzled. It's almost like you would take a wild animal and put a muzzle on that animal. What he is describing that's happening on the Sea of Galilee is satanic activity. Uh, Satan is trying to take out his life uh, and trying to take out his disciples, right? I mean, what, what better way? Satan's trying to stop the kingdom of God and the work of the Lord, and he's fighting against Christ. And so it is a direct satanic attack and there are times when the devil will whip up storms in our own lives uh, to hinder and harm the child of god 
Listen, my friends, you better know it now. The devil is alive and very active today. He's not a fairy tale. He's out to destroy you. Martin Luther in that song said, For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. It is still very true today. Now, Jesus Christ, what's he doing? When the storm comes, he's asleep on the stern of the boat and in, in the honored position of the boat. And, and once at sea, nature turns loose all of its forces. Uh, the, violent of this, the violence of the storm has those seasoned fishermen scared to death. They think they're going to die. They think this is it. We've been on the O.C. many, many times. Uh, we've fished many, many nights all night long. Uh, but Peter, James, and John had never seen it like this before. The ship, the Bible says, is full of water. So now it's, it's about to go under. Now, when we experience those storms of life, those sorrows that come our way, the suffering we all go through, and sometimes we feel like our boat is almost flooded. Like the waves have totally come inside of our boat and there's no relief in sight. And the waves just keep rolling in. The sorrow just keeps coming. The grief just keeps coming. Uh, the, 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 the adversity just keeps coming our way. But I want to make a statement to you. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. No matter how big the waves may be or how your boat is filling up, there's healing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something, though. Notice that the presence of Jesus on the boat did not keep the storm from coming. He's there, isn't he? He's right there on the boat. The Bible says... That the Heavenly Father says rain on the just and on the unjust. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you won't have problems. It doesn't mean storms won't come. Because if you are living under that kind of illusion, uh, you will be very disillusioned uh, when that next storm comes your way and rocks your boat and rocks your world. The Father is on the boat. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Anguish knocks at every single heart, uh, and pain makes its way into every single home at some time or another. It's going to happen. It's going to come. So you see these panicked disciples. Now, third, I want you to notice, though, the power of the Savior. Jesus is the great storm tamer. Isn't that good news today? He is the great storm tamer. Psalm 107, verse 29. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Now, Jesus, the Bible says, is asleep on the boat. You see a, a very unique mix of his deity and his humanity. He's wore out. The crowds have pressed against him. He's been doing miracles morning, noon, and night. At times he went without food, uh, he's tired and he's weary, and finally he says, let's go to the other side, let's get out of here, I need some rest, I need some peace, I need some quiet, and you have a picture of him asleep, and the Bible says, on a pillow, in the boat. That's a picture of his humanity. He was a man just like us. He was a man tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. He knew weariness, he knew hunger, 
He knew pain in his body. He knew all those different kinds of emotions that we experience today. But you will also see in just a moment uh, that he is none other than the almighty son of God. Because what does he do? He stands up uh, and he says, peace be still. Uh, Only God can do that. Uh, And the, the sea gets calm again. But you have a contrast with Jesus Christ. What's he doing? He's sound asleep, which speaks of rest or calmness. What's the disciples' emotions? What's going on here? We're going to die. And Jesus is asleep all the time. Now, what does that tell me about God? First of all, it tells me simply this. Nothing catches God by surprise. And while we're going nuts over my trial, God saw it. God knew it. God knows the outcome. He knows we're going to get to the other side so he can sleep. The fisherman says, we're perishing. We're going to drown. All hope is lost. They're gripped with fear. Because in verse 38, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Now, have you ever said that to God? Let's be honest, church. You ever said that to God? May not be in those exact same words, but but we've said, God, don't you care? Don't you know what I'm going through? Aren't you concerned? God, do you even know what's going on? God, are you up there somewhere? Or don't just lie there, God, do something. Quick. And you wonder, how can Jesus Christ sleep in the midst of my trial? In the midst of my storm? How can he sleep? And and, and if we are not careful, fear overwhelms faith. And we cry out, just like the disciples, God, don't you care? Now, Now, the one thing about this, Even though these disciples are wrong for being fearful and they are chastised for their fear, they were right in coming to Jesus Christ. At least they knew who to go to. And they ran to the front of the boat and they shook him very quickly and said, wake up, wake up. Notice it wasn't the storm that woke up Jesus Christ. He could have slept right through the whole thing, never noticed a thing. It was the disciples that woke him up, right? It was the cries of the disciples. It was never ever the storm that woke him up. Fear which drives us to Jesus Christ is not all bad. Because when we go to the feet of Jesus, Jesus arises for us. Look at verse number 40. I want to show you something. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Everybody say fearful. Fearful. How is it that you have no faith? Everybody say faith. Now, according to that verse, listen to me. Fear and faith are mutually exclusive. You say, what do you mean by that? It means they can't exist at the same time. Right? You're fearful, therefore you have no faith. They are mutually exclusive terms according to the word of God. What is the difference? Listen to me. Fear looks at the storm and looks at the circumstances. Faith looks to God, right? 
fear, if we are not careful, will overwhelm faith. It will act as though seas come over top of the boat. If we are not careful, our fear will cover up or overwhelm our faith. If the disciples had not been paralyzed by fear, they would have remembered Jesus Christ and his promise, we're going to get to the other side. Right? Christ had just said that a few hours earlier. Hey, guys, we're going to the other side. They would have realized who was on the boat with them, and they would have realized the promise of God and his word. But because they allowed fear to overwhelm faith, they forgot about that. They didn't remember that. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They'd seen him raise the dead to life. They'd seen him heal the sick, open up blind eyes, cast out demons. Uh, They saw him handle himself in the synagogue. Uh, They saw his power time and time again. And yet in the midst of their own crises, fear overwhelms faith. Isn't it amazing how you can believe for everybody else's healing? But your own? I mean, you're a mighty man of power and authority when you're praying for somebody else. Yeah, God, heal them. And we say all the right words. Uh, oh, but when they say, you got a sickness, oh, no. I'm going under. I'm, I'm going to die. Right? You can believe for everybody else's miracle but your own. And when the storm comes, if we are not careful, that fear wipes out faith. The disciples are slow to learn. He says, have ye any faith? Look at verse number 40. How is it you have no faith? The disciples are slow to learn their lesson. Now, when Jesus Christ addresses you, does he say to you, have ye any faith? Or are you fearful? Has fear taken over? There's no need to be afraid. Jesus is on the boat, and we've got every single promise in the word of God. Faith is taking Jesus Christ at his word. Let me give you that simple definition again. Faith is taking Jesus Christ at his word. Jesus is the one who rules over the land and over the sea. Jesus Christ is the one who has all the power and all authority. He has power to calm the storms in your life that come your way, the adversity, the tests, the trials. Look at verse number 39. And then he arose. And then he arose. Uh, Look at verse number 37. And a great windstorm arose. Uh, You see, the storms of life arise. uh, But when those storms come our way, if we'll cry out to Jesus Christ, he will arise. uh, And I will tell you, he is greater than any power of nature that will come against you. When problems arise in your life, it is in that moment Jesus Christ will rise up as well. Which means I'm not going under, I'm going up. You know, I, I, when you think about it, we would rather be in a storm with Jesus on the boat than in calm safety without the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, calmness comes not because of the presence of the storm. Calmness comes because of the absence of Christ. Or, excuse me, calmness, I got that backwards. Let me say that again. I got a great statement here. Follow me here. Safety is not the absence of the storm. Safety is always found in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ steps out on the deck, steps out on the top of the boat. The wind's blowing in his face. His, his, the water spraying all over him as it laps over top of the boat. He simply says, peace be still. And the storm fell calm as if it had been hit by a tranquilizing dart. It just kind of goes calm all of a sudden, all at once, very quickly. And all of a sudden, that wild beast is muzzled. And the sea turns into a mirror of glass. And then look at verse 41. Now they are really afraid. And they feared exceedingly. They said to one another, how can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the seas obey him? Now you've got to ask yourself that same question today. Who is this man? This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.